Hello and welcome to the Bones Horror Podcast. This is our episode 99, Annabelle Comes Home. Wow. Annabelle Comes Home. Yep. Did you watch it, did you watch it today, Jess? I did, yep. Okay. Right. While babysitting the daughter of Ed and Lorraine Warren, a teenager and her friend unknowingly awaken an evil spirit trapped in a dull yeah, and I will call this. Um, right, I've, I've lost my notes now. It's <laughs> like when I was writing my notes, it's just felt like a goosebumps episode. This one, I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it, was, it was it was a strange one because it was sort of, um, I mean, I, I suppose in some ways similar to none. In some ways, it wasn't quite sure what it wanted to be in that. Yeah. You sort of felt like it was, it was. Um, I mean, obviously, I, it, it was just. I was trying to be a teen movie. I think was the, was yeah, the weird thing. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, it was definitely that. Yeah. So you got you've got the teenagers who are babysitting the daughter of Ed of Ed and, Ed and Lorraine Warren, who are the demonologists of the franchise, and they even sort of introduced the film. Essentially, yeah, um, they're essentially that was sort of in the prologue for the film where they. Um, where they first encounter Annabelle and they take it away from um, the nurses, I think they are, and um, they're driving back and um, Annabelle suddenly uh, uh, attracts spirits. Um, I love around. that scene. That's my favourite. It's quite a good scene. scene. It's quite, it's yeah, quite yeah. a good scene. It's quite, it's quite well done. And uh, um, but as yeah, as you say, I think it is probably the best scene of the film. Um, which is a bit <laughs> lackluster considering it's the first scene of the film. Um, I mean, it, it didn't really make much sense to me at the time, but you know, I just thought, you know, so many things have happened in this franchise so far, so why not just go just go with that? Um, and then we're sort of thrust into, I think chronologically, I think it's set roughly during the first Conjuring film or and the second one in between. I think, yeah, 19, maybe I think between. I wrote down 1971. Right. Yeah. So I do and... my, so I do my normal spill. So yeah, go for it. So, so 2019 directed by Gary Doberman. I put, so it could be somewhere else, you know, you know, and I think <laughs> he wrote the screenplays for the new movies. And he also wrote all the Annabelle's. I think. Yeah. Um, this is his directorial debut, I think as well. Yeah. Um, and it starred Madison Eisman as Mary Ellen. I think that was the blonde girl. Um, McKenna Grace is Judy Warren, which was she in Ghostbusters Afterlife? She was I, in. Uh, she's in everything as the younger version of everyone. Yeah, she was it's in great. the haunting, haunting of Hill House. Um, yeah, and she was also in the the later season of The Handmaid's Tale. I think. Um, yeah, she's also the young uh, Captain Marvel. Oh wow! Oh, she, she's everyone yeah. that's young. But yeah. this is a different actor from the Conjuring movie, Daughter. 
kind of yeah presumably because the other actor grew up <laughs> and yes. this is the sort of um alternative i mean mckenna grace again uh, mckenna grace is sort of um another good thing about this film i, I think probably one, one of the one of the better things about the film because she's just a good um actress um especially for her age and you kind of saw that i, I think you know her breakthrough was haunting of hill house so that kind of mm -hmm. she's also you know, um a recurring character in young sheldon all right yeah so she's pretty much in everything then yeah. yeah um so yeah she was she was she was good in this and as i say it was a saving grace um problem is though is it was it, it was strange because we sort of went into her character's story slightly so that she's we see uh home life we see her at school she's being bullied because of her, who her parents are and all the, all this that and the other and then for some reason the narrative suddenly skewers towards two teenage girls we've never met before um one of whom is her is is her babysitter, um, who's pretty much you know kind of that sort of I don't know innocent naive sort of blonde girl kind of kind of character, and she's a friend who's a sort of polar opposite. She, the the friend is like the um, the rebel, the guy, yeah. the, the woman who wants to like the girl wants to like you know mess shit up and stuff like that. Um, and that other girl, Daniela, I think her name is, wants to for some reason wants to. Get into the Warren's house and look over everything and, and stuff like that. She wants to contact her dad, doesn't she? Is it? Yeah. Well, that's it, the thing. It, dad. it suddenly skews towards Daniela's character, the character who we've never seen before. Uh, don't care much about because I mean it, we are given backstory later, but it's sort of I don't know. She felt a, a lot like a stock character to me, just that yeah. sort of rebel teenage girl who just wanted to mess it up. It's kind of generic. Yeah. I just didn't care really about her. Um, and then Danielle is kind of used as the catalyst to awaken Annabelle. So she becomes curious and goes into the basement that no one, no one's supposed to go in um, or the room that no one's supposed to go in with all the sort of trinkets from the Warren's adventures, including Annabelle. And she opens the case and she, she opens the case and looks at Annabelle and then Annabelle sort of reawakens um, under yeah. that sort of porcelain face <laughs> i know in the other films in, in the conjuring so i think one of the warren's mum i think was looking after her um God. they didn't they didn't need a babysitter put it like that um yeah but yeah i don't know what happened to her either whether they just killed her off or i don't know i i mean i mean it, it it's a strange direction this goes in because i i i've been interested in the part because i've I've noticed this with, um, I think a couple, a couple of conjurings where I'm just like, so they're just going to leave their daughter behind, yeah. in a house which is yeah. probably got spirits in it, roaming lots, around. Lots of them in that museum. So, uh, yeah, so I was sort of vaguely interested in in where this film was going to go because thought, okay, we get to see we get to see what the daughter's going to be like, and initially she's quite interesting, you know, um, you know, as I said, just bullied at school, quite sort of torn, and she sort of experiences visions herself, and that was quite an interesting angle. I, I thought they were going to go into a kind of um, sort of whether she was like conflicted about her parents about you know that how she, how they're making her feel like being treated this way and maybe grow into her own sort of teenage anxiety or sort of approaching teenage anxiety and stuff like that none of that at all it was it was really strange it was it, they just decide to go to these other characters that we don't really care about and they and they're definitely stock characters i mean they're stock characters from every cheesy teenage uh movie um sort of vaguely uh put into a 
horror film premise, which takes forever to get going. It takes over an hour. Over, over an hour to 20, I think. It's yeah. I, a I, long time. I, I remember pausing it because I need to go to Lou. And I'm just like, an hour has gone by and nothing's happened. <laughs> just... I Honestly, I was reorganizing my whole wardrobe, trying to finish, <laughs> whilst I watched the first hour of this film because I was like, I can do other things because I don't need to be paying attention. Like, I've seen it before. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, and then I finally sat down and actually watched kind of the later half where it's the whole film is just the, the dark house and then like seeing things in the dark and what do you think on rotten then what do you think the rotten tomatoes was for this then? obviously you're coming in a little bit negative there jess <laughs> this is um, uh, honestly this is actually one yeah. of my favorites i'll be honest yeah, yeah. well i had um, fun with it i had fun with the second one second one especially and yeah. the third one. I can't but then remember I had, what the rating was on the last one. I had that fun was with the nun. The nun was hitting 80% after five points. <laughs> so well, like, the nun got 25, didn't it? On yeah, but it was, hitting, it was it came up 25 with no beer, and it came up with 80% <laughs> with five points. So it was... <laughs> but at least, like, shit happened, sort of, in the nun. Whereas in yeah. this, like, barely it anything. It was just the inside of a house for most of it. It's just nothing. So, like, there you go. 64. Okay, I was going to say probably about 60. Yeah, but yeah, what would you have given it? For, uh, probably somewhere in the forties, thirties, yeah. something like that yeah. for me. I, I, I was thinking probably fifties for me, but that was a strange. Again, as I say, it's sort of a lot of it wasn't horror. A lot of it was just sort of you know watching the <laughs> watching them make bake a cake and fail, and it's kind of yeah, it's very yeah. strange. Um, yeah. It, it does. So they sort of like have creeping um, aspects. So so Annabelle eventually like coming back, and she's not in the case. And then um, Daniela goes back down into the thing, and she um, manages to communicate with her dad. And then her dad turns into an evil demon spirit thing, and then she's obviously frightened by that, and that awakens all the other spirits. And then eventually, it comes into an actual horror film, um, sort of punctuated with weird scenes from. Uh, the the guy who sort of um who sort of fancies uh uh the baby sister. oh the, the the justin bieber character <laughs> <laughs> is that is that yeah he's yeah. Like one him. lad playing guitar yeah it's very romantic and he's, he's fun i guess but yeah. it's sort of again it's it traced out of you know stock characters you know the guy who wants to make do a romantic gesture and i, yeah. di I did i did cringe a lot when he was playing the guitar outside the window i'll be honest it's a bit okay, it's of, a I'm... good effort i thought for him i don't know how you go around trying trying to romance someone in those days yeah, yeah. Well, you're, you're probably right but i just i don't know it made me squirm it, it was just sort of because yeah. obviously you don't know how realistic they're going to go with these films often like in in the real world of my head i imagine the girls going get away from me you creep yeah, <laughs> but yeah. but this is but this is a movie so obviously the girls were like oh my god he's so romantic and it's just like okay <laughs> fine let's let's just go with it whatever and then yeah he eventually gets sort of caught up in the the spirit um sort of uh unleashing when he's like uh sort of he's sort of uh, chased by a, a hellhound i think they call it yeah There's a fair bit of I, I want a spin-off well. of that by the way i want them to do like a spin-off series is that hellhound the one from england is it yeah i think i think in the documents what they looked at before because 
when I lived in a place called Bungie, Jeff, mm-hmm. um, you've been there. There was a yeah. church there with scratch all down the doors, and that was the Black Shuck, which mm. is this black dog. Even the football club there is called the Black Dogs. And it's about this dog that rampaged through that area of Suffolk, Norfolk, and uh, killed a lot of people. Um, and there's this church that had scratches down the door. You've been there. I, I took you there when you were small. Um, but is that? I'm, I wasn't sure. It kind of come. I think. Yeah, I think the dog. same one because I think when I looked at the uh, to, to sort of remind myself of the plot, I looked at the Wikipedia entry and they they called it the the Black Shock. So that would. Oh, um, okay, because the Darkness wrote a song. Again, they're from Suffolk, and they wrote a song called Black Shock. All right. And the lyrics go: Black Shock, Black Shock, don't give a fuck. <laughs> and that was how how the, the lyrics go. It's a good song, actually. And it's all about Excellent. that kind of story yeah. of yeah. the Black Shark. Um, so it is the same one. So, yeah, I wasn't mm. too sure. Um, and then you've got other spirits like the Ferryman, which is a sort of, I mean, from ancient Greek myths, really. So the one to sort of, you have to pay the Ferryman in order to, like, take the boat out to go to to hell or death or hades or whatever there was a um, lot of that in there the coins and things yeah the coins and that again i, just, I didn't get the fact that there was one of those um there was a person who looked just like the babysitter i don't it was there a point to that did i miss that or was it just like a coincidence i don't know i don't remember if i'm honest yeah <laughs> she had the picture and she was like it's a splitting image there of was... you and then she's in the um like coffin she sees her, she like screams in her face, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Yes, there was yeah, so man, much going yeah. on and so many different demons because I think because that girl went around touching everything, mm. she was just touching everything, and yeah, that's that. I mean, that was another thing is that I mean, again, you're gonna have a certain amount of creativity when you know you make horror or anything, and there was the the, the most creativity I sort of found were in these, um, sort of um, loose uh, images that they like gave us in a way so i mean so so so, so for example is like the, the television the slightly delayed television aspect yeah. i actually yeah. think that, that was actually quite a good idea just the problem is is that they had so many loose ideas that they couldn't really affix them together um and you know you could argue that you know films like the shining they they put in sort of um random elements to, together in order to sort of um make it more scary i guess but i think i think this is a different case because i think the shining's a bit i don't know it's a bit cleverer than obviously annabelle comes home is, is trying to achieve they just think i'll put loads of random shit in there and make it scary so people aren't expecting it and stuff which you know is is, is fine but i i think when you don't really know what's going any going on anyway and you've had about an hour 20 where nothing's happened and the audience is bored it's kind of um I don't know. It, it it felt like uh, they were just jotting or mind mapping ideas and going for the best ones. And some of them were good, but they weren't they weren't tied together, so it didn't really work for me. Really makes you wonder. You got all these people, these writers, and they they're getting paid huge fortunes. I would have thought, and spending a fair bit of time doing it, that they can't create something a little bit better at times or weave it together a bit better. I I, I, don't, I don't know. I agree. It's, and it, it, unless it's, it is that rushed yeah it's I, I i i would say it was it was partially that i i think i mean lawrence talks about this many many times but it's that is that there's no um structure really there's no in terms of like the overall franchise there's no sort of um 
that there's not much consistency or at least they're so rushed that they can't find any consistency to be good and so they have to try and resolve things but i think i actually think the worst aspect um of a lot of these movies including this one is that there's no or there's very little peril um and you know it because none of the characters ever die really i mean we've had a few but none of them and so when you're watching if you've if you're well acquainted with these movies you you kind of know that no one's going to die so you sort of wonder what's the point um and the only the only the only reasonable thing i could i could sort of um think of was that as i say if they built up the uh, character the the daughter even more and looked into her story and uh you know whether it's curious or not that would have been a justification for you know not kidding anyone but it's but because they didn't do that they focused on something which was far more uh which was far thinner it was kind of i don't know you, you, it's it's kind of lost and you don't you, you don't really know why you're focusing on on certain characters that we've never seen before and quite frankly aren't all that interesting no um, one died did they? they no no one died in this not even not even the the didn't really get scared guy. either i only got scared for a little bit yeah so, i think there was like one jump scare where, where i sort of yeah, they could have they could have killed a sweet bloke they could have yeah. killed him well. I, I think they should they should have done. <laughs> no, 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 head no. In with a guitar. Yeah, yeah, because I, I, I just I just think you need to kill someone, and if if yeah. it's going to be someone who's really irrelevant to a lot of it, just just kill him off because it would just yeah. make things easier. And um, I, 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 but I I also felt like they really missed an opportunity with the with the daughter. I I felt like that they could have done something really interesting there. Um, but they just decided to do something which was very clunky. I wondered what I I, I actually I actually genuinely wonder I, if they wanted to do something with the, with the daughter, but like I don't know, produce got involved or something happened or they weren't able to write it in time or whatever. Because again, as with a lot of these movies, this does strongly smell of a first draft script to me. Um, uh, but yeah, it, it just feels like a, a shame. It, it feels like it was a missed opportunity. But the budget for this was thirty million, and it, and it box office was two hundred and thirty-one. So it's just a money-making machine. These conjuring series, yeah, um, it, the universe, mm. and I think I mean, it will I, continue to be so. I can't see it not being. Yeah, and I, and I think it is off the strength of, um, I suppose people's fears of these things so i think people got quite freaked out by the nun when that appeared in conjuring 2 and so people was amazing. yeah in conjuring 2 it was scary yeah. yeah um and same with annabelle i mean it's funny because i i don't i get creeped out by those kinds of dolls but i'm not i'm not really scared of them mainly because they're inanimate to me and so they don't really do anything especially in this case which is why it sort of baffles me really why people keep on going back to annabelle because it just seems to me that she just she just conjures spirits she doesn't really do anything she just sort of your vessel like yeah she's a vessel and she writes like messages saying miss me and that's that's yeah, about she it don't do I, a lot really no so. and that's what that's what kind of baffles me about why people keep on going back to back to annabelle but i think it sort of like taps into certain fears that people have about these things similar to like chucky or or, or recently megan or m freegan um, still not seen it no nor have yeah. i 
But I think people are freaked out by that sort of thing. So that's why people go, I keep on going back. I can't imagine people are that interested to, to know um, the full story of Annabelle, if I'm honest. Um, but I, I reckon just those images are enough to, I don't know, wow. to, to spark people. Three films we've, we've kind of learned a fair bit about her. Yeah. So Jess, what what are you thinking, Jess? I quite Come like on. this film. Um, yeah. I rate it kind of up there amongst all of them. Um, I think it's there's not many jump scares in it, but I think there's a lot of tension throughout the whole film, especially kind of the later half. Yeah. Um, but there are some really good scenes. I, I love when she's uh, the babysitter's walking around the house in the dark with the torch, and the coins keep falling. And when she looks up and the coin is just floating in the air and then they fall. Um, I really liked that. And then when she's getting dragged and she manages to grab the torch and suddenly... Did she get yeeted? Does she get yeeted? There's, there's a fair bit of yeeting in it. Yeah, there's a fair bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like in the yeeting. first like, five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Leg yeah. yeeting. Just, mm-hmm. It's full of yeeting, the whole Conjuring universe, really. So. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. No, I, I quite like it. I think, yeah, it's good. Yeah, I, I, I've seen it a few times. I think I bought it as soon as it came out. It's, it's what it is, isn't it? It's, it, to me, it did seem like they tried to ram as much in as they could. The same reoccurring characters. What was the demon? Malthus, is it? Uh, the one who kind of all of a sudden thinks he's one of those Death Eaters or something from Harry Potter. The one who's <laughs> sucking out the life force. It's right. like the same thing. Or the Black Tar or whatever's Going oh yeah, the black tar stuff. Yeah, that's that's a common thing, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's kind of that. It was just too much going on. It was the bit with the the lady in the wedding gown. I think she had on, mm. um, and then you had the the little the little monkey from that was from the the first Conjuring. Oh yeah, I I forgot. I I, I yeah. yeah. You look in the mirror. They look in the yeah yeah i was i was i've forgotten about that because they just like i don't know a shot lingered on the monkey and i was just yeah. like why the why are they lingering on the monkey and i was just like i don't know what's going on so there's, there's all sorts going on and a bit too much i think in that one i tried to cram it all in and mm. it was strange but, considering considering nothing happened for the first hour of 20 it's weird that they just yeah put so much stuff in the last i don't think i would rate that as like in the series in the annabelle's that probably be the second one Obviously, mm. the, the second I film so. I, I would rate the best, the first one, the least. Um, so it was okay. It, it's a bit of fun. It's, it's okay. I think I watched it at cinema, actually. It was okay. So we just rate it and move on. We're about <laughs> that far. <laughs> so I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it probably a five. Um, yeah, it's, I'll end up watching it. That's probably, as I said, it is a bit, like a goosebumps film um kind of episode or i could watch that with the kids quite easily this film even with a nine-year-old i think mm. it's it's no one dies it's just a little bit jump scary nothing happens for an hour mm. um so yeah that's what i'll give it you yeah i i i feel this is generous but i but i <laughs> i i give it four i think um i think i gave the nun three um but yeah, I think for this, this is slightly better than the nun. It the, the stories sort of, I mean, the stories sort of from a structural point of view kind of kind of makes sense, just not um, 
in terms of pace and tone and all that stuff it kind of got a lot a lot wrong i think had some good ideas in there like i say with the, the television and everything i thought that was the best scene actually and i think again they were sort of i felt like they could have done that better in terms of how um how it fits in with the whole narrative i think they were just <coughs> as they say in a rush so yeah i think i think four i, I was quite disappointed by it Jess? Uh, I'll probably give this one a six. I Ooh. would have given it a, a seven had it. Wow. It, had there been a bit more to it in the beginning and certain things like the babysitter having this weird like bit more of, and... bit more of the Justin Bieber character maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah a bit more guitar. No, yeah. I think we need less of it. <laughs> <laughs> if he had died in the chicken coop, then it would have been a seven. But... <laughs> Yeah. That might have that might have marked out for me. As for, that, well. for those for those watching at home, just let us know in the comments how how many boners you're going to give it. That'd be good. Um, yeah, so probably about four or five in really. I don't know what Larry would have given it. He hasn't commented. He said he was going to log in. Obviously, he's got the normal issues logging in. So, uh, yeah. Wow. I haven't spoke to Dan for a while, but anyway. It's time for Dan's hot pick. I don't want to do that one, do I? I do not want to do that. That's us, that is us going home, by the way. Dan's hot pick. Lovely. That's the yeah. first time, really. I might have pressed the wrong one. Has it happened too, too often? This doesn't run in order. This that's my excuse. <laughs> um, so for Dan, we chose um, what was it called? Mad God. Have you seen it, guys? No, I haven't. No, okay. I've heard good things though, it is good and it's quite disturbing. So the storyline follows a man who descends into a lost city in ruins. When he gets there, he finds an array of death, torture, and monstrosities that result of this of this lifestyle. Um, it's just balls and asses and penises, all in stop motion, really. That's <laughs> what that's sounds what like a great time. Yeah, so <laughs> it's, it's a stop it's a stop motion film made over about I think over about thirty years. I've been told. Um, Kind of started. He he was did a lot of stop motion. He was going to do some bits on Jurassic Park as well, um, but I think they knew they used like new technology for that. Mm. Luckily, um, so so it's a story of this. I can't remember what they called him. This this guy and he dropped down into the earth. It looks like there's been a either a war or some bad stuff's gone on, and he goes into the, kind of the center of the earth. And he's wandering around, and there's just all sorts of weird creatures and monsters and things getting flattened and it's broken into kind of three stories none of it makes much sense at all to me um but it is a sight to behold it is amazing to look at every creature's got so much detail to it um and i think larry was going to watch i think larry had watched it and we were going to chat about it um, and he could explain the storyline a little bit more to me. But there, there was all sorts going on. And I don't want to give it away totally. Because I'm confused by it anyway, as you can probably tell. Um, 
That's about an hour and a half of madness. And that was on Shudder. Mm. Um, and it's still on there. I wouldn't mind watching it a couple of times to get my head around it. But there, there was a lot going on. And most of it's stop motion, cartoony, kind of anim animation, animation, sorry. And then there are actual actors in it and things. It, it switches about a bit. And you can tell some of it is 30 years old and some of it is reasonably new. Um, but it was it was entertaining. I give it that. Um, yeah, and I look forward to the next watch. And I want to hear Larry's views on it, really. And that was it. So that was Dan's hot pick. I don't know about next week. Maybe Dan will pop up and tell us, or we'll be uh, picking some other weird, weird movie. Um, so what? Yeah. So shall we move on to what we watched this week? What have you been watching? No, seriously, what are you watching? Yeah. Two children wake up in the middle of the night find their father is missing all the windows and doors in their home. And then... That pretty much sums up the entire plot of... Uh... So, yeah, so there is a lot. Where's Andy? Look, as, as a friend of mine. <laughs> Hello, so, uh, Andy. Thanks, Andy. Lovely to see you on here. So, Skinnamarink. It's very dark. There's a couple of children in there. I think you don't see them from anywhere, really. Um, I think you see the back of one of them, maybe, or two yeah, of them, or the legs occasionally. Yeah, you never see their faces. Never see their faces. Um, I don't. I kind of got an idea what the hidden message is. Mm -hmm. You'd probably be able to explain it better than me, Ewan. Um, <laughs> I fell asleep twice watching it, <laughs> and today I finished watching it. So I actually restarted it twice, mm -hmm. um, and then today I watched the rest of it. Um, mm -hmm. The only bit I found a, a bit disturbing was the end five mm -hmm. minutes um as in it had a bit of Blair Witch to it I think yeah I would say I think that's been done before though but they, they certainly got it but it took a long time getting there um so the kids I think all the door is all the windows and doors gone I think yeah so the so so doors and windows keep on appearing and disappearing within the house um and it seems like there's some kind of, um, I mean, I guess spoilers for people who haven't seen it, but there are kind of sort of channels between the dad's house and the mum's house, I think. Um, at least that was my interpretation, because it's kind of, it's almost like a divorce drama in some ways. Yeah, I think. yeah. Um, albeit a very experimental one. Are they in both houses, then? I think they keep on yeah. chopping yeah, between the two. Yeah. I couldn't um, tell because it's so dark and so grainy. Mm. Um, it's hard to get your head round. Yeah, I mean, it was it was, it was interesting because I because I wondered uh, um, what it would be like watching in a cinema versus what it'd be like watching just on on TV. Because I watched it at a cinema um, at the Prince Charles. I think it's one of the only venues in the UK to to put it on in cinemas. Yeah. And it was quite an interesting experience because obviously you're surrounded in darkness. The, um, pretty much everyone there 
I saw it with was quite respectful of the film in, in that there was no sort of munching or anything. So it was quite a quiet um, atmosphere. Um, however, even so, maybe sweet. about... Yeah, probably. But, but sort of you, you get you get to a point about like 45 minutes, an hour in, where you're just kind of like, kind of want something, something to happen. Gonna happen. You see I, a I, mum in it. Is it is it a mum you see? You hear the mum. Well, yeah, you do see the mum over the yeah, bed. I think. Bed. Um, yeah. And I I I, I do think that um, I can't remember the director's name, but I I, I kind of think he missed on an opportunity because because there because there are there are elements of this where I was watching where I was like he's clearly trying to avoid a lot of cliches and a lot of you know tropes of horror and stuff like that um but often i think sometimes deliberately avoiding tropes in is in itself a trope if you know what i mean so when there's a there's a point where um it's almost like a point of view shot from the child where um i think he's looking at his mom or his dad um and the and they say, look under the bed. And then yeah. they very slowly look under the bed. They go up and then they look under again. Problem is, is that there was nothing under the bed. Um, and I think um, the, the... We couldn't see if there was. Yeah, but the bad thing about that is that it, it, is that it doesn't encourage people to watch it again. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Because right. it's like, okay, the fear was there on the first time around because you thought something might just jump out at you or something might appear. Um, and that was that was quite scary. But now that you know that nothing is there... It kind of, I don't know, shortchanges the um, experience in some ways. There are some decent scares in it. Um, a lot of it is very atmospheric, but I really liked like when a face finally does appear. It's yeah. very scratchy and very sort of like faded, and you're not you're not sure quite but sure. What, what I realised, I quite say halfway through that they were setting up a jump scare. They were setting them up, but we were never going to get one. No, yeah, so and and I kind of realised that halfway in, I was like. They're going to keep coming back and across really slowly. Mm. They did that on the bed seat, where it kept panning out to the right, slowly comes back up and still the stable child. What it was, they do it again, and it was that bored me. Yeah, and they also they also do that thing, um, and I I'm I, I remember doing the same thing when I was at university it's it's, it's, a very, it's a very when i was studying film at university and to make your own films one of my <coughs> first projects was to do a ghost film um and a great way of sort of shortcutting because i didn't have much time to actually do anything that was good um is just to in order to <coughs> do a kind of jump scare you just jack up the volume um yeah. and then you yeah. make something appear um, that's a very basic, very cheap way of doing it. I, th I think they did something similar. I mean, he does it quite well, but you, you can kind of see that it was trying. So, so I'm mainly thinking of the toy telephone, um, which has become a kind of meme now on on sort of various cult areas of sort of social media, where it's like it's like the the, the sort of toy telephone that suddenly appears and it has a well, kind I... of monstrous quality of its own. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's it. Um, and there's also me. Many years ago, with the same Photo phone, Kev. yeah, with the same phone. Back well, in the uh, day, that's for about forty years ago, I think. So, Gosh. yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's been trying to find you this film for so long. Yeah, it um, has. I love that phone. Hmm. But yeah, so I mean, it, it, it's it's one of those. I think Skinner is one of those films where I, I director has a good career ahead of him. Um, 
because you can you, he's got all the elements there and he's even being quite um experimental with it and i think that's always good in in a director um unfortunately i think it's it's very much a kind of uh just one of those experimental efforts that doesn't really carry off too well we don't um, want to watch a second one i don't think so no but I, I reckon he'll make another film and it will be it will be more cohesive and with a bigger budget and he'll be able to do more things with it and i think the atmosphere that he crafts in skin room is actually very good it's just there's not much story around it so yeah. he's got the atmosphere down he's got some of the characters down even though we don't see them there's a kind of uh, thing there and he's got some of the sort of i quite i quite liked the sort of the visual aspect of it because I, I like the fact that it was grainy and dark because it kind of there's a kind of chaos to it and you're sort of and I, and I do think it kind of captures very well that feeling of being alone in the dark and scared I think it captures that very well um, yeah. or at least better than a lot of other horror films that I've seen um, unfortunately it doesn't have much story to it so you can't really invest yourself in whoever these characters are so down to interpretation yes it, it very much is although I, I actually i actually think the interpretation is pretty easy to solve in some ways um it, it it pretends to be more ambiguous than it is i think um and it's quite um transparent from that point of view but you know i would still encourage people to seek it out it's done very well in you know around the world it's you know fifteen thousand dollar budget um initially released in america and it's gone it's gone global it's gone on shutter so it's done it's it, people I enjoy it There's i a cult really didn't like thing. the added graininess that you know it's obviously i can do that with some software i've got <laughs> yeah and you can see some loops as well i was watching it thinking oh that's gonna happen in a sec mm. the same little crackle on the screen mm. i think you'd fall asleep jess to be honest watching this um I, yeah it whether i've got the meaning down i don't know what did you think the meaning was the the split between parents the were they abuse these children i can't well that's another really. yeah i mean that's another thing i mean i think i think it's mainly about i mean i i i, I kind of think of it as, as a ghost movie in some ways and yeah. i think the perspective is very much from the ghosts which i think is a quite an interesting um, perspective to take I, I i do think it captures a kind of i i mean as someone who is not of divorced parents i don't know but it's it sort of probably captures that sort of schism between the two parents and the sort of confusion because the the children are only about six and four i think so i think it's meant to capture the kind of psychological confusion um behind that i mean also reading interviews or or others with the director he kind of he kind of said that a lot of the images and a lot of the feeling was from dreams he's had himself so clearly there's a kind of a dream angle to this um as well as a um uh a lockdown inspiration because i think he shot it during lockdown and i think maybe that's why a lot of people find it um uh ha have quite taken to the film because it reminds them of the sort of um the sort of stretched periods of uh lockdown where isolation. not much is happening yeah. and yeah. isolation yeah. yeah um and i think that's what may maybe uh, appealed to people about it and as i say i i i, I, li I liked the film um but again i i think I, I think the director probably has a much better one in him um, to come. Okay. So I'll have to talk about, let's talk about one more. So I watched Darkness Waits or The Sitter. I think it's on Prime. 
Charlotte accepts a job at a large country home to watch a couple's cat whilst they are away. I think she was Oh, paid. God. Yeah, see, that old chestnut. So a bit like there's many other films where they hire a babysitter to either look after a child or... I think she was I mean, the Anvil comes home. <laughs> exactly. Um, so on Prime, it was called The Sitter. Um, I really liked it, so I bought it on DVD, and it's called Darkness Wakes. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they changed the name. I think in America, it's probably Darkness Wakes. Um, it's okay. It's, it's quite tense. She's there most of the time on her own. She's a very good actor. Um there is a lot of the old. What do I liked it, but like, there's there's a lot of. She gets in the shower. There's no. They nudity. have to. Yeah, there's yeah. no nudity. She gets in the bath. It's a little bit more, but no nudity, and then it ends up with nudity. Um, so they used her <laughs> to keep you engaged the whole <laughs> yeah. way through, the whole way through the film. But it was very good, and it was quite. It was very tense, and and I would highly recommend it. Of all the films I've watched recently, um, it was good. So I'll be watching that again soon. Um, yeah, I'm not going to give much more away about it, but yeah, who hires someone for two hundred pound a day to look after their cat? <laughs> well, you'd be surprised. Yeah, that, there, are definitely, there, there are definitely some people in the country that would be uh, happy for that situation. Yeah, I don't know. so <laughs> no, 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 it's, it's good. So I watched that. Um, I did talk to you about. Or I did text you about. A, a music video by a guy called Ren, called Hi Ren. Oh yeah, um, I didn't see I that. Are you, have you seen it, Jess? Nope. There's not many things that get to me in life, like like emotionally anyway, and, and this does. It is a story. It's more. It's nine nine and a half minutes long. Um, and it's. He's singing. It's all live. Every single bit of it is live. And he's talking to himself, like, so to speak, you can call the, the light side and the dark side of someone's being. Um, and I don't want to give too much away to you seeing it. And I'd love to talk to you about it. But there's not many things that get to me, but this certainly does. And this, this lad is just amazing. Um, but it is about mental health. And you need to watch it. I think everyone needs to watch it. It's not been out very long, but it's got two or three million views already on YouTube. Um, he's, a, he's an English lad. I'm not sure where he's from. Um, he looks a bit like one of the Peaky Blinders. <laughs> um, but a nine and a half minute performance like that, if you know, it got to me and it's got to many other people on YouTube. So definitely Ren, his name is High Ren, the song's called. I think he's in a few bands anyway, but it's kind of a rap singing guitar plan b kind of thing if you can imagine mm. um please watch it i i anyone out there rent about ren so go go and watch that um and then the last thing i've been watching flight of the concords i think i spoke that before i'm on series two now that just makes me laugh you ever seen it jess no you must have done you in no no it's, it's two it's two guys from New Zealand who come to America and they're they're a duo, musical duo, acoustic duo most of the time, and they write songs and it's about them. It's a comedy and there's each episode's got a couple of songs in and it's very, very funny. Um I think it was on HBO. Brilliant stuff. And the other thing, last thing is 
Evil Dead Rises comes out soon, and I am absolutely buzzing for that one. So <laughs> I, I'm loving that. I'm loving the trailer. It's ticking the boxes, so I really hope it delivers. And that's it from me. Um, there, there was plenty of other things I'd watched, but I'm, you guys want to talk to Jess? Um, I haven't watched any films this week, but uh, well, apart from Annabelle, um, but I did watch episode three of The Last of Us. Yep. Which you and Mike want to talk about as well. Wow. So I'll tell you granddad's with you. Oh, oh there no. we go. Oh, no. <laughs> <There's> Hated a... <laughs> it. He said, I really like that series until that third episode, Kev. Oh, oh yeah. Oh. What, what happened in that then? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't agree with granddad. Put it like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I thought um, it was. Pretty... I don't mind. You know, it's great. But obviously, for a, a person of seventy years old, it's a bit, uh... yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there, there is some scenes in it, aren't there, Jess? So you explain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, I wonder what their names: Frank and Bill. Bill. So in the game, um, which one of them is on, it? Is Who's it? alive in the game? B B Bill's alive, I think. Yeah. Um, so Bill, uh, his relationship when he meets Ellie is very um, jokey and like they're constantly like arguing over things. Yeah, yeah. She's very yeah. sarcastic with him and it's, it's brilliant. And I think a lot of people were a bit disappointed because they really wanted to see that. Um, but instead, the show decided to basically just go and tell the story of Bill and Frank, um, how they met. Um, and it, I just thought it was a really wholesome episode. I know a lot of people have like made everyone really emotional. Um, some people uh, might not like it for some reasons, but you know, I thought they did a really great job of it. Um, and yeah, yeah, I would recommend watching it. It's very, yeah. very good. I, 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 I thought it was a um, an incredible episode. I have a few reservations about it, but I, I, I overall, I, I think it was. It kind of showed what, um, I, I, without without retelling various stuff from the game, they sort of capture what I, I feel like The Last of Us is about, in that it's it's very much um, the humanity within the inhumanity, um, mm -hmm. and I think uh, the story here with uh, Bill and Frank essentially meeting just as the apocalypse is is, is setting in, um, and then. Bill welcomes Frank into this sort of um, community that's now his and Bill has set up loads of traps so that avoid avoids the zombies coming in as well as the raiders coming in. So they're pretty much safe in this little haven. Um, and it's their story, but, but over sort of over 20 years um, from the start of the apocalypse to when um, Joel and Ellie finally find them on their sort of road to um uh, sort of the, the the scientists or the the, the fireflies um, on the other side of the country, um, and I mean, my, it, to, to me, a lot of people have have issues with this, but I I, I I think I would call it a bottle episode, so an episode which doesn't contribute much to the main plot, but is like is is like a thing on its own. Often often they are the the best episodes in in good um, series. Um, but I think it's so well done just how they build the characters up and how the, it's, it's such a beautiful relationship between these two um, men, essentially. 
And I think it also shows, um, I, I, I tweeted about this recently because I saw, you know, loads of people were sort of up in arms about, you know, the sort of um, LGBT themes and um, stuff like that, which, um, I mean, if anyone who's actually played The Last of Us and actually, you know, paid attention to what's yeah. going on the the lgbt themes of themes are there so even in the first one the uh, second one is it's obvious and it's there and that's and and that's great and they also face, face a lot of backlash when they put lgbt uh, strong lgbt themes in the, the second one um and i i love the fact that they just the makers of this tv show including neil Druckmann, just said we're just gonna say screw you to to all to, to all the all those people and just do just like put it in your face completely this is a love story between two guys and it's 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 it was it is it, it's, it's 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 wonderful i think um and something just we haven't seen before in that context i don't think there are any, i don't think we see any zombies at all in this in this episode um which again is 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 um fits well with the last of us games because there are lots of um that there there are many stretches in the games where you don't see zombies and it's all about them um, the raiders or the or the people and stuff and that's what made them such sort of um uh character-centered games um it was was that angle um and i think here they've done so well um in sort of uh managing to craft that character made make it good for tv and um i feel like it's probably going to be one of the best episodes of this year maybe the last few um and it, it was and you know it's a surprise to everyone really because again video game adaptations don't usually do, do very well um and this kind of shows that if you approach it a different way it can it can be um just you know beautiful te television uh sort of, sort of telly making i i do have some reservation i mean the only reservation i had was that there's a familiar trope a sort of disability trope um it, it, i'm not i'm not too fussed about it because it was clearly a form of cancer that he had um and i think you know there's a lot of cases where you know cancer patients you know want to um you know end their lives in in in, in that way and i you know I, I i respect that but there's a kind of trope in sort of sort of disability representation where it's like oh well, you know i'd rather be dead than disabled um and i think you know uh, you, you see a lot especially um I'll, I'll talk about the whale in a minute, but um, it's sort of, but <coughs> even with that, it works very well because of the fact that um, they they sort of both go down, <laughs> if you know what I mean. And I think I think that that that's what makes it um, different from all those other narratives, and they tackle it very well. Um, and I, I I was sort of I sort of this episode has been hyped for a while. Um, when critics watched it watched the entire series like a few weeks ago all of them mentioned episode three. I assume that's the best one. Um, however, I, I, I'm still sort of holding out that there will be better episodes to come or at least, or at least um, episodes that are as good as that. Um, and it makes you, it makes me look forward to seeing what, you know, what other stories that, that you're going to tell or sort of like change up. And that's what makes it exciting because it kind it kind of, because obviously throughout the series, they've been saying, okay, this is different to the games, like how the zombies like manifest and how the fungus manifests in the zombies and how it sort of ripples across. And that's how they try. And they, okay, so little differences. And then they go for this big difference. And that makes the, the entire rest of the series even more exciting because you're like, okay, what's going to happen, especially for people who haven't played the games and it's also great because i this way lost my last point on it but when um because my parents are very 
they're not anti-video game, but they don't. They would never play video games because it's just it's not it's not their sort of thing. They're more into movies and TV shows and stuff like that. Um, and so video games. So it's quite hard to like relate to them how great The Last of Us is when it's a video game. Um, so now it's really exciting for me because they're watching The Last of Us, and I think that's the best thing an adaptation uh, can do is that it can bring more people who weren't into a certain medium into the story and make them like the story, and uh, that's kind of that's kind of what makes it um, <coughs> exciting to me. It's a good series. Yeah, it is good. Um, what else have you been doing, Jess? Have you been uh... anywhere? Been oh, been anywhere. Um, so did I did this. Go? I did this thing where I, I went and watched grown men kicking foot, uh, a football around. Um, that was. It will never take off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I was in town the other day, um, and I got a call, uh, and was asked if I want to come to the football, and I was like, "That sounds crazy." I've never done that in my life. <laughs> Uh, and I went, and it was it was really good actually. I got to spend some time with my two youngest brothers, and uh, yeah. Who did you see? Was it a Southampton game or something? Yeah. Southampton versus who was it? I don't even know. Who it was now. I want to say Blackpool. Blackpool. Yeah, it was hmm. an, F an FA Cup in England, an FA Cup game, and uh, Southampton actually won a game. We won okay. first game, and we won so. <laughs> so I'm not going to say it was because I was there, but you can come on. Oh, I've got a spare ticket. You can come whenever you want. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we've got another one coming. And up we got good next seats next week. Very nice. Yeah, but we don't normally sit in those seats. Yeah, they were very posh seats actually for that mm -hmm. for that game. But we were lucky. But we don't. We're not. Mind you, our seats are okay where we normally sit. So yeah, you can come to the next one. Yeah. Anything else, Jess? Um, I also watched because TikTok, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get so many things that pop up, and it gets to the point sometimes where I'm like, I've seen something so many times that I have to go and watch it. Um, so a new season I think just came out for Ginny and Georgia on Netflix, mm. uh, and I've had so many videos and clips pop up of it. I was like, and then my friend asked me the other day, I was like, they were like, have you seen it? I'm like, no. And now, <laughs> well, now I have to. Mm. So um, I've watched the first three episodes i think and i'm quite enjoying it isn't um, it sort of like modern gilmore girls sort of vibe i haven't seen gilmore girls so oh see know. watch gilmore don't bother with Ginny and joy it's quite good um i had no idea what to expect really other than it's about a mother and daughter and their relationship and that's kind of it um so some of it is quite unexpected but uh it was quite funny because um i was halfway through an episode of like say three or something and shane comes home and he's watching it for a bit he's like how old are these kids meant to be because they're all the actors are all in their middle like mid-20s yeah, and they're yeah. Playing 15 year olds um and some of the things that they're doing as well and i just looked at him and i was like you haven't watched euphoria you know nothing. you've seen nothing right this does not compare okay to what 15 year olds are apparently doing yeah so but yeah it's very good <laughs> I'm sure yeah, you've been so, watching things for the last couple of weeks. Yeah, quite a lot. I mean, um, so I mean, we, uh, so uh, Last of Us was definitely the the sort of zenith of my of my week. Um, I also watched um, the Whale, which came out on Ooh. Friday, I yeah. think, in UK cinemas. It's a new film from by Darren Aronofsky, so the guy who did uh, Reckon for a Dream and Mother and Black Swan and The Wrestler, um, films which I 
quite like. I read your um, review already. Oh, did you? Well, that's yeah. interesting. <laughs> um, and I, 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 re I really love those films. I've even got the Blu-ray editions of those films, and yeah. I really like what Darren Ar Aronofsky does. He's very sort of dark psychological director. Um, uh, and I, and I've, I've, I read a lot. Well, I didn't. I, I read some about the whale uh, beforehand. I, it was very. It's a very divisive film. It's a very controversial film. Um, and I didn't like it much either. Um, mainly because I, I don't think I was in the right state to watch it. But then again, I'm not sure if I ever would be. Um, so it's about so Brendan Fraser, who's having a kind of um, renaissance era. Um, with his acting after sort of being in he, he's he's been in stuff pretty much every year but not in a starring role um so this mummy, is sort of, wasn't he? Didn't yeah he? the mummy movies and what was it george in the jungle, george and the jungle. Yeah. yeah um so, so he was quite he was quite big for a while in the sort of early noughties um and he sort of like tailed off because of um uh, various things um and so he this is his sort of comeback so to speak and he's got a oscar nomination for the role um as does um another actor her name escapes me but uh, someone else in it. she she's not been nominated but she's in it yeah yeah um oh, and actually okay. she, she actually she gives a very underrated performance i think oh. i think a, a lot a lot of people have been talking about um either brendan fraser's performance or the um the other woman's performance who, because they both got um oscar nominations but sadie sink i actually think carries it more than um a lot of reviewers say that she has and she's very good in it um she plays the daughter of this uh, sort of morbidly obese man. He's about 600 pounds and he's sort of wedged in his sort of living room sofa and even like walking around, he has to use a walking frame uh, to get everywhere. He's got drawers full of chocolate. Uh, he's got pizza boxes everywhere. Um, his job is a sort of English teacher for an online uh, English literature course. Um, but where all the other cameras show the students his one is blank because he doesn't want people to see him he's got severe anxiety and depression and he's suffering trauma from um the loss of his uh partner um he's he's, he's gay in quite a sort of conservative area of america um so so it's a very it's a very dark from that point of view and his the sister of his uh partner because she's a nurse she occasionally comes to look up look after him and stuff like that and then he gets in contact then the guy gets in contact with his estranged daughter um who is very vitriolic towards him um as i say sadie singh it does a very good job because the teenager is so horrible and so sort of um i, I actually think it's quite an accurate representation of what that sort of teenager would be like um very much of the sort of as uh, sort of saying before very much the kind of euphoria kind of vibe i think um and and very horrible and also there's this really weird um a christian missionary or, or a missionary from a christian cult that turns up every so often to try and to try and save um charlie who's the the obese guy um main reason why i didn't like this film despite some of its qualities is because i just felt like darren aronofsky was just pointing at this poor bloke and saying look how disgusting he is um obviously he sympathizes with him to a certain extent but there are scenes where he's just like eating like chicken or a pizza or a bit of slice of pizza or whatever and um it it, it just it just feels like it's just so oh look how he's eating pizza and it's and i'm just like i i 
I, I just I feel love it's quite, exactly and, and this is the thing right i was watching it and watching him eat the pizza and i was like oh i can murder a pizza right now <laughs> <How old are they? laughs> yeah. exactly and i was like I, and I, I i don't know i, I was felt afterwards that i was meant to feel revolted by this person and and in doing so because you know i made you hungry and you ordered exactly i'm hungry and i I mean mean, it's weird as well because um like some of the issues that he faces like i mean i'm not 600 pounds but i'm slightly overweight and i've also got anxiety um to a certain extent so so with this story you kind of imagine that I, i would sort of relate to him in some ways not really um because i just didn't like the way it was told um and i feel like it was very I don't know. I felt very uncomfortable afterwards. Not not because um, the film uh, showed me things that were uncomfortable, but it just made me uncomfortable in my own skin. Like Darren Aronofsky's films are uncomfortable, and uh, I think that's good to a certain. What else extent. has he done? Sorry, what, what? So he's done like Black Swan and uh, Mother. Really. Uh, I've seen that. I like Mother. Yeah, I like my. I really like my. I think it's my favorite of his films. Um, Requiem for a Dream, which is a you know um, endlessly not, dark film. Um, I'm not and, sure and, if I've seen that one. But again, I, I think it's. I think it's a very, a very good one. I, I really liked his film. And the, I think the wrestler is one of my favorites as well. And actually, the wrestler is, is quite shares oh, yeah. some sort of narrative DNA to, to to this one in some ways. But I also felt there's an element of because this is a guy in a fat suit. And everyone knows it's a guy in a fat suit. Um, it kind of rem- <laughs> kind of it, it kind of reminds me of that thing that just Hollywood does all the time, which is just instead of get someone who is overweight, just get 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 someone who is not overweight and just plaster him with you know millions of dollars worth of makeup and hairstyling. Again, this that's another thing. This this is Oscar nominated for, um, and just get him to to sort of play the part and to me it's a bit it feels a bit silly um and it it kind of reminded me of like you remember the tropic thunder and the opening trailers of tropic thunder i kind of imagine this film would run in one of those trailers because <laughs> it again it's it's kind of in some ways it's quite funny but it's it's a very it's a very serious thing but they're, they're, they're trying to be serious but in some ways it's it's inevitably funny player, an overweight person was it tom Sorry? hank no, not Tom. Tom Cruise. Did he play a? I don't remember. I, I, I remember the Robert Downey Jr. character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Very well, but then Tom Cruise played a. I mean, Jack Black did a thing on the tra- the trailers at the start where it was, it was like it was literally just like um, uh, an obese family, and it was it was doing that thing that Eddie Murphy did yeah, like, yeah. where he played all the same characters, and it was those sort of taking the piss out of that. It felt a bit like that to me, especially at the end. The end really annoyed me because, again, it, uh, yeah, similar to, I mean, Last of Us does it much, much, much better. But in the whale, is that is that kind of thing where it's, um, you know, I'd rather be, and, and I would consider this character to be disabled because he has to, you know, move around on frames. He has to use special influence in order to get to bed. So I, I would consider him disabled. But there's this aspect of it. It's like, yeah, I'd, I'd rather be dead than 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 in this way. And there's a bit at the at the end where. It feels so badly, I mean, badly directed as uh, as much as anything, but also just, I mean, it, I, I had to, I, I, <laughs> it's really bad because loads of people have like come out of this film sobbing and feel really emotionally overwhelmed by this film and, you know, good luck to them. But the ending shot kind of made me want to laugh because I think it was just so badly directed. Um, and I felt like 
I, I felt like a student could direct that last shot. Um, and it was sort of, it, it, yeah, it kind of disappointed me. Um, I, I, although I do admire Darren Aronofsky going after, you know, dark subject matters and things that could be controversial. Um, and also like Brendan Fraser consulted a lot of like, I think there's like a union for people with obesity and stuff like that. So, you know, they did the legwork and everything like that. But I, I, I do worry that this sort of film will make people more anxious rather than less anxious um, because of how, I don't know, how sort of dark and horrible he makes pe these people look. Um, so, yeah, so I didn't I didn't much like didn't much like the whale. Um, I don't know if I'd recommend people see it. Pe a lot of people are seeing it anyway and people have given it five. I read reviews. your review and thought I'd give it a miss. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, but it's, I, I don't think it's that long. I think it's about hour forty or something. But um, oh. but yeah, so I didn't really like that. Um, there was another thing uh, on ITVX which came out this week um, called Nolly, uh, which is the new uh, Russell T Davis drama about uh, Nolly Gordon, who was the star of uh, the soap opera Crossroads. I don't know if you if if you're. I remember, remember Crossroads. Um, yeah, Carl, you're going back some. That yeah, the eighties. Yeah, yeah. Which one? Was, which one? Well, she was. I think she was the owner of the Crossroads Motel oh, or something like that. She oh. was had red hair, and um, so Russell D. Davis, who obviously did Doctor Who and um, uh, obviously various various other things, he's he's written this the script for for her essentially, um, sort of looking at her story because she was sort of unjustly sacked. Um, at the start of the 80s and everyone around was like outraged because she'd been on it for about 17 years yeah, yeah. the soap opera and she was uh, without any reason she was she was sacked and the ser series kind of goes into that and goes into her because she's a real um it was interesting to watch it because the first episode like goes into her, at her attitude on set and she's a real diva like she directs so she like storms in and directs the actors herself even though she's not the d director she's just the actor and she rewrites lines she tells actors to do certain things there's even that, that there's even a great scene where um uh she tells a uh a birmingham actress to um speak in rp or receive pronunciation because that's sort of back in the day it wasn't like <laughs> northern accents weren't really uh allowed on on, on television I, I thought that was quite evocative time but then as you get to sort of you, you eventually get to know her and you realize that she really she's really loved on the sets and she loves everyone on the set she knows everyone's names and um you sort of eventually get into the reason why she was fired um it's a three-part series, so not very long. I think each episode That's is about quite 40, interesting. Yeah, it's about forty-five minutes per episode on ITVX at the moment. Um, I know I, I really enjoy it. And Helen Bonham Carter plays um, Molly Gordon. Okay. She's very, very good. I mean, as always, she's very good. And there's a kind of um, sort of Princess Margaret feel about about her character. She sort of wears fur coats and she arrives in the in a Rolls Royce and you know all this that and the other. Um, and she's very good. So I I, I enjoyed that. That was good. I might watch that. It's ITV, it's ITVX, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Anything else, Ewan? Um, no, that's about it, really. That's about it. Okay. So, our next episode is a big one for us. I didn't think we'd get to episode 100. It's been transitional. I think it's been a hell of a journey for me. I think it's nearly three years. Um, and 
I think we're getting better and better. It certainly seems to be that with our viewing figures. Um, but yeah, so we're going to do The Exorcist, which I think we did do quite a, a while ago, but definitely worth a revisit. Jess, I don't think you've seen it. No. Oh, gosh. You're going to be surprised at this. <laughs> it's been on my list for a now, long time. Now, <laughs> I need to see you next week, really, because I've got your kind of, I've got all The Exorcist here for you. So. You can watch those if I if I see you. Um, hopefully, oh, wait, Larry. Have you got them, go... or have I got them? Maybe I've given them to you already. I don't I think know. Think I might have them. Okay, I've, I've got them. a 4K Blu-ray of it that I'm going to watch for the first time. Um, it's been. I, I've, I think last I mean, it was last week, and it was quite bad. I ordered a lot of stuff that I probably shouldn't have done, <laughs> um, and I've got a few 4Ks um, to watch. I've got all the Planet of the Apes new films in 4K as well, all three of them. Nice. So I'm looking forward to that. So um, Dan's hot pick, what can we do for that? That's a bit weird, a bit um, crazy. I don't know. I have to, I'm going to have, have to have a think of that one. Um, okay. I'm, I'm not too sure. So maybe Larry will come up with something. So, yeah, we will be back next week or the week after. Never know these days. So we did say once a fortnight, but we'll see. But our episode 100, The Exorcist. You want to follow us on, not Facebook, on uh, Twitter, it's The Bones Horror Pod. The same on Instagram, and you can email us at thebonesHorrorPod at gmail.com. Okay. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next week or the week after. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.